With your Amex card, entertainment benefits like special ticket access and pre-sales to select can't miss events while supplies last, make every tap music to your ears. I'm Hannah Storm, and my new podcast, NBA DNA with Hannah Storm, chronicles my six decades in professional basketball, from growing up in the sport to becoming one of sports TV's first female broadcasters. Join me as I dig deep into the game's history, unearth some wild stories, and talk to my friends from the world of basketball, from Dr. J to Charles Barkley. It's been a wild ride, and now I get to take you with me. Listen to NBA DNA with Hannah Storm on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. More Than a Movie is back with Season 2. I'm your host, Alex Fumero. And each week, I'm going to talk to the people behind your favorite movies. From The Godfather, Andy Garcia. He has the smarts of Vito, the temper of Sonny, the warmth of Fredo, and the coldness of Michael. To the legend behind La Bamba, Lou Diamond Phillips. When I walked in, I didn't think I had a shot at Richie because John Stamos' picture was already up on the wall. Listen to more than a movie on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. This is the Lombardi Line with former NFL executive Michael Lombardi. Now here is your host, Stormy Bonatoni, on VSIN, the sports betting network. This is hour two of the Lombardi line presented by BetMGM. Michael Lombardi will be back on the mic tomorrow in forum like he is every Wednesday. Jonathan Von Tobel, VEASAN host, senior NBA betting analyst. We will get to plenty more finals talk in the NBA in just a little bit. But the NHL Stanley Cup final is set to drop the puck here this coming Saturday at T-Mobile Arena in Las Vegas. Hockey in June in Vegas and South Florida. Who'd have thought? So excited to break it all down with EJ Raddick, NHL Network senior reporter and host who joins the program now. And EJ, JVT and I were just talking a little bit ago about which team actually has more Team of Destiny vibes, the Florida Panthers and the road that they've taken this postseason, or the Golden Knights and Bill Foley's prediction that they'd be lifting a cup in six. Yeah, I mean, listen, take your pick, right? I mean... Uh, I think both have a little of that going for them, probably a lot of that going for them. When you think about, you know, Florida was able to not only beat the Boston Bruins, who had a historic season, but to rally from the three games to one deficit and to win two of those games in overtime in Boston and to win three of the four games in Boston and then to go on this run they've been on as a team that, you know, when you put the, when you put up the standings one through 32 in the league this year from a point standpoint, the Florida Panthers were 17th. They weren't even 60th. I mean, a team in the West, the Calgary Flames, had more points, and yet they did not make the playoffs. So it's kind of been kind of an uh, unexpected run from the Panthers. And then, you know, as you mentioned, the Vegas Golden Knights, Bill Foley, I remember thought about it like many times over the course of, you know, these last six years. I mean, he said it. And he got there in his first year, and they didn't win. And I was thinking, well, maybe this, you know, has no chance to be a true thing for him. And we, we always wondered like, Hey, isn't he a little bit, you know, six years, that's kind of a, a quick trip to the cup to win the Stanley cup, but here they are. So uh, there's a lot, a lot of great storylines on both sides. I think it has a chance to be a fabulous, uh, a fabulous final. So EJ, we were talking about the, the goaltending about Browski, you know, walk us through what you have made of what his performance has been up to this point, And is it sustainable here against the Vegas golden Knights team that offensively is pretty deep? It's been spectacular. I mean, I don't know what else to say. I mean, he's come on. A, remember, he didn't. He did not play during down the stretch in that window of games where the Panthers needed to win to get to the just get to the playoffs. It was, uh, you know, it was Alex Lyon who was kind of an unheralded guy, kind of a career journeyman, minor leaguer, and he helped them win a bunch of games down the stretch, and he even started the playoffs. And then uh, Bobrovsky, you know, who had had illness and was, you know, kind of you know, waiting for that opportunity to get the net back. He came back in and it's been just seems to have gotten better and better. And, you know, he's just really, really, really dialed in and playing as well as he ever has in his career. And this is the guy that's won two Vesna trophies and he may finish his career with over 400 wins. He most likely will. If he adds the Stanley cup to his resume, you're probably looking at a hall of fame goaltender. So uh, he's been absolutely spectacular for the Florida Panthers as to whether it's sustainable. I mean, he's had these nine days off. That can be, uh, you know, sometimes you lose your focus a little bit. We'll have to wait and see on that. But uh, 
I, I tell you, he's got a track record of, of having been a very successful goalie in this league, and he's playing as well as he's ever played right now. And it feels like he's gotten better, actually, throughout the course of each series as well. But to JVT's point about this Golden Knights team having so much depth, and it feels like they can hurt you from any one of those lines as they just roll four lines game in and game out. Their decor has played so strong. When you look at this series as a whole, who has the, the better opportunity to walk out of this thing on top, in your opinion? Oh, I give Vegas a little bit of the edge. Um, you know, I think the I think that long that long layoff could be detrimental to the Florida Panthers. I mean, they've been the underdog, so to speak, the underdog story, like we mentioned. They've started all the series on the road. This will be the same. And I think that's been a good opportunity for them. The road teams have done very well in the playoffs this year. I think it's kind of it's by the end of this, it'll likely be the largest number of road wins in a single Stanley Cup playoff year so uh you know that's certainly not bothering any of these teams but florida's been able to kind of get the jump on series early they split the first two with boston they swept in toronto they swept in carolina i think they've won seven consecutive road games coming into the final but with this layoff are they going to be ready to get the jump on the vegas golden Knights? that's going to be the question so I think that'll be a big part of how this thing goes. I think if, if Vegas come out and, and play with that kind of same jam they had, you know, in, in that last game against Dallas, I mean, that's going to make it tough for Florida. And if Florida were to fall behind two games to none of the series, certainly, you know, that makes the path a little bit more difficult. But, um, you know, that's the biggest thing I'm looking at here is this layoff for Florida. And I think, too, when you look at these teams, Bobrovsky, as we mentioned, I mean, potentially a Hall of Famer at some point down the road, playing great. And Aiden Hill, who's played really well and has had a good season, but, you know, they've had five different goalies play for Vegas this year. And, you know, that's probably a, a testimony to how well they play defensively and how well they clean things up in front of their goaltenders. Uh, so that will, that's another kind of a swing, right? We wondered about it in the last series. Aiden Hill against Jake Ottinger, who was this, uh, you know, really young, upcoming star goalie in the league. Hill was able to outduel him. We'll see if he's able to do the same against Bobrovsky. Uh, in terms of power play, an edge either way, Florida or Vegas, in your mind? Um, I don't think there's an edge either way there. I think they were they were both kind of middle of the road power plays. I think they both have played well, you know, when when they've needed power play goals in the postseason, they found ways to get them. Uh, Florida really was able to make some good adjustments against Carolina. Carolina's got a really good penalty killing unit. I mean, they went. They were like really 92, 93% like over the last half of the year. They were that good at killing penalties. And Florida made some adjustments and used some of their strengths against them and were able to come up with some really important power play goals, including the series winner uh, in game number four. So, you know, for me, uh, you know, I think both teams have the ability. They have the personnel to be successful on the power play. Vegas' penalty killing statistically has not been very good this year. I think they have been able to be better. In some spots, I think some of that is the fact that they played the Edmonton Oilers in the second round, and the Oilers' power play is just out of this world. But, uh, you know, I, I kind of sense the special teams will be a bit of a wash going into this. But that said, I mean, it's, you know, these are games that are, you know, they're just, you never know, I guess is what I'm saying in hockey. So many things, it's such, there's so much randomness in hockey. And that's one of the reasons why I know, like, for your audience, people who are looking to wager on the games, right? Like, you look at the other sports, they have stops and starts all the time. And so, you know, numbers can really, can really help you determine different things. I think in hockey, there's so much randomness in the game. A, a puck that hits a, 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 a stanchion in the glass and bounces one way or another way or hits a post or hits off a skate. Uh, and there's the constant movement of, of the game. So it, it makes it difficult. So when you look at it in terms of the special teams, I go into it thinking it's kind of a, you know, it's kind of a wash, but we'll see how things play out on the ice. Puck luck and bad bounces are very real things here with NHL Network senior yeah. reporter yeah. EJ Raddick joining the Lombardi line. As far as Con Smythe um, goes here, Sergei Bobrovsky and Matthew Kachuk, the obvious favorites on the Florida Panthers side, but for this Golden Knights team, because of the way that we talk about, they can beat you from so many different ways. Is there a name that stands out to you most when it comes to who could take home the Conn Smythe for Vegas? Yeah, I think if they win, you know, for me, the favorite at this point would be Jack Eichel. I think he's their number one center. He's, uh, 
I think he's their leading points guy. I, you know, he just impacts the game in a lot of ways. He plays in a lot of situations. I've been so impressed with his, his maturity in his game, his, his 200 foot acumen that he has shown in this, uh, in this season. And certainly in the playoffs. I mean, that's been a real difference in his game. He's obviously one of the more talented offensive players in the game. He came in with a lot of, uh, hype as uh, what he ended up being the second overall pick in 2015. He would have been the first if it was a year other than the year that Connor McDavid came in. And, um, you know, but I think he's really changed his game and has evolved since his time in Buffalo and coming to Vegas and is working with Bruce Cassidy. So, you know, for me, he'd be the first choice right now. But as you move through this series, if Vegas wins and Aiden Hill continues to be a story, mm-hmm. maybe Aiden Hill gets some consideration. Maybe William Carlson gets some consideration. Marceau, who's been the linemate of Eichel, has been scoring some big goals. He could get consideration. And a guy that no one will probably talk about because the numbers aren't off the chart really is, is Alex Petrangelo. And, and the fact that he impacts the game so much for the Vegas Golden Knights as they're really their number one defenseman and a guy who plays in all situations. So those are the guys that come to mind as we go into it. I think things that happen in the final will probably impact it if, if Vegas wins and you know, Carlson has a great series or Hill has a great series. Maybe they leap ahead. But for me, uh, Jack Eichel is probably number one on my list. Yeah, Jack Eichel sitting four to one. But Marshall So and Carlson both plus 650. Aiden Hill 10 to one. So a little bit more value on those players if they can step it up in the Stanley Cup final. Last question for you is we got about a minute left here with you. This Golden Knights team, I feel like, has always gone after the shiny new toy, whether it be Jack Eichel or Alex Petrangelo, who you mentioned, Mark Stone, who's now the first captain in Golden Knights history. Um, And with that, no spared feelings in doing so to a lot of people that they left in the wings, whether it be personnel or coaching decisions they've made. It all doesn't matter, right, if they continue to win and take home a cup final. I completely agree. Um, You know, I think, you know, the coaching things have been tough because, you know, Gerard Gallant had a lot of success, got him to their, in their first year, got to the cup final. And, uh, you know, he was a popular guy and, you know, and Pete DeBoer had a really good record there in Vegas as well. And, you know, so that was, I think the, the Mark Andre Fleury saga was something that certainly played out over a couple of years. And he was the face of that franchise when they arrived in, in Vegas before they even played a game. So yeah, there's been a lot of that, but you know, when you, when you say going after the shiny new toy, they've gone after things that you need to win. They went after Jack Eichel, who is a number one centerman. They need, you need that to set up the rest of your lineup. They went after Alex Petrangelo, a number one defenseman. That sets up your group of defense. And you need that in a lot of areas, and they've done that really, really well. No question. And all is forgiven by the fan base if they win. Thank you, EJ. Oh, yeah. See you, Stormy. <laughs> Great stuff there, EJ Raddick of NHL Network. We have to take a quick break, but back to our NBA Finals conversation with our guy JVT coming up next. There's no distance too far for the perfect trip. Hi, checking in for... Or the perfect table. Hey, where are you? And when you get access to Resi Priority Notify with your Amex Platinum card. Hey, this looks amazing. I'm so glad you made it. And travel benefits at fine hotels and resorts booked through Amex Travel. It's worth the trip. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Terms apply. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash with Amex. More Than a Movie is back with season two of the award-winning film podcast. And this time with a lot more movies. I'm your host, Alex Fumero, and each week I'm going to talk to the people behind some of my favorite movies. From The Godfather, Andy Garcia. He has the smarts of Vito, the temper of Sonny, the warmth of Fredo, and the coldness of Michael. To the OG spy kid, Alexa Penavega. You had Carlo Gugino, who's the coolest mom ever. You had Antonio, who's handsome, amazing, charismatic, and then Carvin and Juni. I felt like a lot of other kids felt like this could be me. To the legend behind La Bamba, Lou Diamond Phillips. When I walked in, I didn't think I had a shot at Richie because John Stamos's picture was already up on the wall. Every episode will feature interviews with the biggest actors, directors, writers, and producers behind your favorite films and tap into the history of Latinos in film. Listen to More Than a Movie as part of the My Cultura Podcast Network, available on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. The Big Take from Bloomberg News brings you what's shaping the world's economies with the smartest and best-informed business reporters around the world. Western nations like the U.S. and Europe... 
Mexico will likely have its first female president. And then you have China. And help you understand what's happening, what it means, and why it matters. He'll get his yo-yos to Europe in time. But the longer this drags on, the more worry he's getting. They knew that they needed to do this as fast as they possibly could to get a drug on the market as fast as they could. I'm David Gura. I'm Sarah Holder. I'm Saleh Mosin. We cover the stories behind what's moving money and markets. Basically, everyone was expecting, if not a calamity, certainly a recession. But the problem is that that paperwork, as our reporting showed, is fake. As someone who's covering the market, I'm often very worried about an imminent collapse. So I'm thinking about it quite often. Listen to The Big Take on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. This is the Lombardi Line with former NFL executive Michael Lombardi. Now here is your host, Stormy Bonatoni, on VSIN, the sports betting network. Before you make your next bet, be sure to visit vcin.com. Check out the current betting splits data. Want to know where the money and bets are moving for every game? The betting splits page is updated with DraftKings odds every 10 minutes, so you can see changes in all the action. Find out where the public's betting based on the number of tickets and where the money doesn't match the public opinion. You can check out not just today's action, but future events as well. Betting splits, another way vcin's here to make you a more informed better year-round. Check out today's betting splits for every game at vcin.com. NBA final begins tomorrow, 530 Pacific, 830 Eastern on ABC. And our guy JVT here has been working very hard doing some math. No, don't put me there. <laughs> You're not ready yet? No, well, I wasn't. Something's uh, something's had, going wrong with my stuff, so no. You've had multiple commercial breaks to Math is hard, do I told you. I'm not, I'm not, I don't think I'm really good at it, so. Oh, stop. Yeah. Do you feel any closer to the answer? Uh, yes, I, I'm actually, I'm downloading something now, so okay. hopefully I'm, I'm closer to the answer. Um, well, where things currently sit, yeah. the Nuggets $4 favorite taking on the Heat in a best of seven series. The Nuggets... On the spread, I know, is a bet you had in your... Thank you very much for my pen. I grabbed another one, though, that I flung yesterday while we were on the air. Uh, The Nuggets series spread, though, minus one and a half games, I know is something Mm. in your article that you put out today that you think has validity. Yeah. Look, at minus 160, I think the probability that they're going to win this in, you know, uh, what are we talking about here, uh, six or fewer games, uh, is something that could happen at a higher probability than minus 160 would indicate. There's, There's a lot of different advantages that Denver has in this, whether it's, you know, as I put in the article today, the more consistent shooting team without having to rely on outlier performances. You know, as we go back to the Milwaukee series, Miami, of course, shooting 47% from three in that series, over 50% of contested three-point shots. As we mentioned uh, about, what, 20 minutes ago or so, Miami shooting uh, over 50%, over 55% on wide-open looks against the Boston Celtics, the highest rate that we've seen from a single team in a series in 10 years. You know, those are performances that have pushed the Miami Heat up to this point for Denver, it's just been a team that's shooting 37% on open threes. They're shooting 39% on threes overall throughout the NBA postseason. I think they're a team that is just more capable of doing that from beyond the arc. You know, We talked about the advantage that Nikola Jokic provides to you if you're the Denver Nuggets, whether it be one-on-one against Bam Adebayo, being the key to unlock his own defense that they're going to face from time to time. And the other sneaky thing that I think is uh, that puts them on even footing with Miami uh, in one category at the very least where Miami had the advantage, I would say, in almost every single round Michael Malone's a really good head coach. Mm-hmm. Michael Malone knows exactly what to do. He, he knows what buttons to push. This has been a roster that he has coached for a very long time now. They have a core here that has been to the Western Conference Finals multiple years. Remember 2020 in the bubble. Now, of course, this year, this has been a team that's played together and a coach that knows exactly what he's doing with them. So I think all of those things added together and a, a price that I think seems cheap on a series. Thus, there's cheaper prices elsewhere to be had. I think Denver at minus one and a half is a good bet. And something I don't know that I've heard mentioned a lot um, as it pertains to this series is just the the way that the Nuggets have had the Heat's number over the last yeah. handful of years. Yes, we've heard that they swept the Heat this season, 4-0 over the last two years, but overall the Nuggets have actually won nine of the last ten meetings over the last five seasons. Their lone loss was in the 2020 bubble. Um, and if you look at the numbers a little bit deeper, this matchup is both Miami's worst record against any opponent in that time span and Denver's best. They have been able to have very, very consistent success against Miami for whatever reason. Yeah, it was, I, I think that's the key point, right? For whatever reason. We don't know if, you know, did Miami go into Denver on the second leg of a back-to-back on the end of a West Coast road trip, you know, blah, 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 all those things. But I, I think when we talk about what Miami likes to do, what Denver likes to do, and we break it down in that regard, I think that gets you to a matchup that they can have success against. I mean, look, at we talked about the Bam out of bio numbers. The fact that Nikola Jokic is shooting 63% from the floor when Bam out of bio is his primary defender, 
gives you an idea of maybe why that record is the way that it is, that they don't really have a true option for Nikola Jokic. So I think that does make some sense. There's probably some context to it, maybe to the degree which it is. What is it again? 9-0, did you say? 9-1. 9-1. You know, there's probably a little bit more to it. But either way, I think the Nuggets do have a, a little bit of an advantage there. Um, I just like. What do you get, think? You've been grilling me. I get the feeling, and I, you know, I've been such Pro a Miami. believer in the Heat. Yeah. Yes, I had so much invested in them last series. Thank, I was just thanking my lucky stars that they finally came through in Game Seven. It was a great game, great win for them. You do kind of wonder, from your standpoint, what could have been had Jason Tatum not rolled his ankle on the very yeah. first play of the game. He even said that he was a shell of himself in that game. But as it goes for Miami. They have just had that little extra something in the fight and the want to and putting their words out there in press conferences and living up to the billing and not being a team that anybody really expected a whole lot from being an eight seed, even though they beat the Bucks, even though they won their second round series. It was just like everybody just kept finding excuses and reasons why they couldn't win, and they've been overcoming it. I think this is finally the spot where you can only overcome so much and after just going through such a what? grueling long series where your emotions were on a freaking roller coaster, you go up mm. three games to none, the Boston Celtics claw their way all the way back. Mm. You have a heartbreaker in game six and have to go out for one more game, which just means you're wasting more energy and more bodies. Um, I know there is an expectation, though, that you get Kyle Lowry. I mean, not Kyle Lowry, uh, Tyler Hero back mm. for this series. Uh, what game three they were saying? That potentially the, the spaced out days do help them. And can I say really quickly uh, for Tyler Hero when he when he's going to come back, if he does, I'm not sure if that's the biggest positive in the world. So that's another part of it is you've yeah. built so much chemistry with the group that you have out there and figuring things out. Now injecting a new body is that going to be positive or not? How healthy is he really going to be? Well, see, for me, it's not even about chemistry. You know, chemistry be damned, if you will. Well, um, how dare you? You're you're putting a much lesser defender on the floor. That's the thing. You know what I mean? And in the NBA postseason where hunting for mismatches and going after weak links on defense is really a big part mm-hmm. of what you're doing on a possession-to-possession possession basis. You know, Tyler Hero might raise your floor offensively, especially as a shooting team that's been looking for consistent shooting, not insane, yeah. out-of-this-world shooting performances. You know that, that does help you in that regard. But on the other end, Jamal Murray's going to go come over here, yeah. and he's going to go after him every single time or vice versa. And that's, I think, something that might weigh you down a little bit more because with these other guys, you at least have some somewhat stout defenders that are good in team defense, communicate very well. Tyler Hero is going to bring that mm-hmm. down a little bit with his presence on the floor. No, it's a it's an important point. And I think for as much, though, as I've been beating the drum about the Miami Heat, I've also said every single series, how are like the Denver Nuggets have got to be like the most disrespected one seed that we've seen. It's I, nobody seems to believe in them every step of the way. It's the Suns are going to be better. The Golden State Warriors are going to be I better. Mean, the market moved against them. I wrote a little bit about this in the series preview today. The market moved against them in the Minnesota series. The Suns were the favorites in that series against them, and they were only dollar fifty favorites against the Lakers, a team that they ultimately swept. You know, to your point yeah. about being whether you want to phrase it as disrespect or just I under, do. you know, or undervalued. You under, know, if you want to go yeah, that way, undervalued, underappreciated you know, too. I would say. I think that's. I think that's a very valid point. So we'll see how things ultimately play out here. You mentioned earlier um, the prop on Nikola Jokic to be the points leader for the series. Is there another prop that really stood out to you um, from like a series perspective that was interesting? There's a lot of interesting markets out there. So how about this one? Michael Porter Jr. is about plus 380 to lead the series in three-point makes. And the way I got here in looking at this was, first off, Jamal Murray. So as we mentioned, And there's kind of a danger in this in that I'm kind of correlating a lot to how I think this series might play out. And and if it doesn't, then there's a good shot that you might go down, right? There's a high ceiling in which you might hit all three of these. There's a low floor in which all three of them don't hit. But either way, if we're we're thinking that we talked about, right, Nikola Jokic might be allowed to just, again, not allowed to score. They're not going to go, here you go, Nikola. But they're going to just put Bam at a bio on him. So they're going to allow Nikola Jokic to... Force him to be the one that beats you versus everyone. Get yours, essentially, right? Again, going back to the stat, in the three losses in the postseason, Jokic averaged 40 points, under uh, 27.2, I think is the exact number, in the wins this postseason. So let him score his. Make sure nobody else beats you. Specifically, don't let Jamal Murray, who averaged nearly 28 points per game per uh, per game in this postseason, do anything either. So if you break it down by like actual matchups, you'd say Bam is going to be on Nikola Jokic. You'd say Jimmy Butler is going to be the primary defender for Jamal Murray. And that would leave you a mix of Kyle Lowry, uh, Max Struess, and Caleb Martin to defend the likes of Michael Porter Jr., Aaron Gordon, and Contavious Caldwell-Pope. You could Let's say we'll put Lowry on Contavious Caldwell-Pope. The, the point I'm getting to here is 
You're going to have two six five guys giving away 20 or 30 pounds or about five, six inches to either Michael Porter Jr. or Aaron Gordon. Michael Porter Jr., I think, is going to be the benefit of a lot of things here in this matchup. If they're playing zone, how do you break a team out of a zone? Well, you shoot. Michael Porter Jr. is a 42% catch-and-shoot three-point shooter. If Jamal Murray's getting hounded by Jimmy Butler, that means the ball's going to move out of his hands. That means Michael Porter Jr. might have some opportunities to score here in this series. And how does he score? He does it by three-point shooting. So all of it, to me, leads to, hey, looking at Michael Porter Jr. to lead this series in three-point shooting. If I believe that the Heat are going to regress in terms of the three-point shooting to a certain extent, not having these crazy outlier performances, that would put even more weight on the fact that one of these Nuggets is going to lead the series in three-point shooting. And if I think that Jamal Murray is going to have one Jimmy Butler on him, they think that would open the door for Michael Porter Jr., who's going to have a smaller defender on him, and even in those contested shots, is going to be able to shoot over the likes of like a Caleb Martin or a Max Struess. I know we're limited on time here. Do you think that Caleb Martin, though, can continue to just going over his points prop game in and game out like he did? Well, going over, it's one thing, because those have been adjusted now, right? We're starting to see some pretty big numbers every for Caleb game Martin. Every Yeah. <laughs> so I, I would say going over for every game, no. But do I think generally that Caleb Martin can just be the productive Caleb Martin that we saw in that Eastern Conference Final Series? I would say absolutely. Okay. We're going to take a quick bake. bake. I want to bake. Just like break. I would bake oh. my Pop-Tarts in a toaster oven. Does that? It works. I think so. I'm telling you, you got to try them out if you, you have You got to try unfrosted strawberries. No, I would never. That sounds repulsive. Why do you even do that to yourself? Great. See, that just goes back to you being healthy for no reason. We're going to take a quick break. Back to the NFL. Which team will be the last to go undefeated? And which will be the last one to not get a win? This is the Lombardi Line with former NFL executive Michael Lombardi. Now here is your host, Stormy Bonatoni, on VSIN, the sports betting network. Become a VSIN Pro subscriber today and get a daily email recapping all of the best bets from our show hosts and guests. You'll also get unlimited access to the vsin.com slash picks page. You can sort picks by sport, matchup, event date, and more. We newly have a top VSIN experts leaderboard where you can view betting records, profit, and ROI. See which VSIN expert has the hot hand any given week. For VSIN Pro picks, betting splits, power ratings, plus 24 7 video access, become a VSIN Pro subscriber today. Just $9.99 at slash subscribe. You'll also get all of the great content from my lovely co host today, Jonathan Von Tobel, all of the written work, all that great stuff. And you had the idea to take a look today in the NFL at some of the markets that are up there at DraftKings for the last team to remain undefeated Mm. and the team that's going to take the longest essentially to get their first win. And I'm very excited about these because I think that I, I think I have one that's interesting. Okay. Not particularly sure how you might feel about it yet, but the Philadelphia Eagles are the fit. Not that's not who I picked. Oh, okay. I was going to say they are the favorite. To be the last remaining undefeated team. They're also favored in eight straight games going into their bye week, week nine. So it certainly makes a lot of sense that they would be in that position. Um, When you kind of looked through the list and looked through the odds board, what intrigued you? All right, so I have an interesting one for you. Uh, Let me double check to make sure where they are at uh, with the actual odds. But if you look at, and this is, I want to say this, I want to present this um, accurately for everybody. It's not necessarily a team I believe in. I actually think it's a team that the market is a little too high on. However, if you are somebody who believes in this team, because there's a lot of people, um, then, yeah, I think that there might be something here. The Detroit Lions have become a team that a lot of people really think is going to be up there in terms of teams competing for a Super Bowl. Might be a sexy pick to win the NFC. And if you look at the early portion of their schedule, it starts right away. They're a seven-point underdog against Kansas City. So low probability that they're going to win that game. However, Yeah, they're 35-1. to Yeah. Um, so, but I'm saying that's why, yeah, right. because they opened the season at Arrowhead. But if they pull that off, the remaining games by projected spread, three-point favorite against Seattle, six-point favorite against Atlanta, two-point favorite on the road against Green Bay, six-point favorite against Carolina, four-point favorite against Tampa Bay, a coin flip spot on the road against Baltimore, and then a five-point favorite at home against the Las Vegas Raiders before they get to their bye week. Detroit, if, again, you are one who thinks that this is an undervalued team coming into the year – might not be the worst choice. And again, what was the price? 35 to 1. 35 to 1 to be the last undefeated team left. Again, a team that before their bye week is underdogs in just two of those games and is laying at least three in the rest of them. That's something that you might be worth looking at if you're talking about a last remaining undefeated team. If you wanted a little more, a little bit more meat on the bone, if you're looking. No, I like that. The thing, the only thing that concerns me about Detroit, aside from their 
season opener being a standalone primetime game on Thursday night in Arrowhead against the defending Super Bowl champions Mm -hmm. is that last year I had a lot of confidence in them going into the season and then what they opened the year one and six and I was very disappointed in what was being fielded each and every week. So I'm with you. They obviously closed out the year on a very, very high note. There's a lot of reason for optimism again coming into this year, but last season I feel like I felt that way as well. So I'm kind of jaded, I feel like, a little bit on the Detroit Lions right now. Where I went here was a very similar situation and reasoning Mm -hmm. with the Los Angeles Chargers sitting there at 15 to 1. They opened the series, they opened the season hosting Miami as a field goal favorite. Then at Tennessee, who you think could be the Mm -hmm. worst team in the league this year, at the Vikings, who got so lucky so many times last year. I think that could be um, a good road win spot potentially for the Chargers. And then they take on a division team in the Raiders who folks don't have a ton of confidence right now is a near touchdown favorite there. Then they have the bye. Then they host the Cowboys, which I think it is, you know, they're a two point favorite, but that's a toss up type mm-hmm. of a game. So you hope that they win that one. And then they're at Kansas city. And that's the first spot that they're an underdog. But the reason that I like this is because you go back to last year, both games against Kansas city came down to a field goal the year prior an overtime loss to Kansas City in an early season win at Arrowhead. So they've been knocking on the door against this team. They, it's been a decent matchup for them despite being on the losing end. If they come out of that one, then you face the Bears um, and the Jets who were not really sure what they're going to look like. And maybe at that point in the season, they are hitting their stride and it's a non-starter. But I mean, that gets you through eight, nine weeks of the season. Right. And I think there's a lot of potential for them to actually have success given that schedule. No, I, I mean, I would, I would not disagree with that at all. I'm also, I mean, look, I think I'm, I'm hoping at least that they're going to change their offense a little bit. You know, a guy like yes. Justin Herbert should not be one of the like lowest average depth of targets in the NFL considering his arm. And I think they are going to do that readings between the lines. So I would agree. I think the Chargers are a team that might be undervalued. I also think the pendulum has swung a little too far on how we view the head coach for the Los Angeles Chargers and, and where we're at too. So I, I, I would not say no to something like that. And I also think too, and this is an easy one because they're the third choice. But Cincinnati's going to be favored at every single mm-hmm. game all the way through. I mean, like up to their bye week, they're going to be a one-point underdog on the road against San Francisco or thereabouts. Uh, and then, of course, you're laying points against Buffalo. It's going to be a small number, but you get them at home. So we're talking like one and a half for home field. Uh, after that, we're talking uh, – where did I? I lost them really quickly. Oh, Houston, uh, Baltimore, Pittsburgh, Jacksonville, Indianapolis, Minnesota. Cincinnati is going to be a heavy favorite in quite a few mm-hmm. of these games outside of some divisional games. So, again, you get a coin flip spot on the road against the Browns. Schedule opens up after that. Cincinnati could be in a situation as well to be one of those last unbeaten teams. What about the San Francisco 49ers? Because you're getting a better number for them at 16-1 to 1 because of their quarterback situation, not yeah. knowing how they're going to show up. But their road at the start of the season isn't particularly difficult. Yes, they have to open up the season in Pittsburgh, taking on the Steelers, but then they have the Rams, the Giants, the Cardinals, the Cowboys, who they've had success against. Like, I... Not great, not my favorite thing in the world, but I think there's possibility with that schedule too. The New Orleans Saints are another team that has a relatively easy start to the schedule until they hit um, the Patriots. But if they were to beat to the Patriots, it's just a two and a half point dog. There you go, respectful. Well, no, I'm just saying Tennessee, Carolina, Green Bay, Mm -hmm. Tampa, then New England, and Houston. I mean, they're going to lose to Carolina. Um, I hope so. My NFC North or my NFC South champ. That's mine too. Look at us. We agree on something for once in our life together. Um. No, I, I wouldn't say no to this. Can I, here, I'll throw you one, too, that I think might be kind of fun. They're going to be three-point favorites against the Giants. Uh, again, projecting spreads here and looking at some of these projected numbers. These are going to change as the season goes along. But projected from this point right now, three-point favorite against the Giants, two-and-a-half-point favorites against the New York Jets, laying seven against Arizona, five-and-a-half against New England. You're in a tough coin flip spot I on the road like against San Dallas. Francisco. On the road against your Chargers. It should be tough. A bye week and then laying seven-and-a-half against the Rams. I'm just saying... You're laying points in every single of those matchups that you say for two. Like, that's not Mike the worst Pritchard situation Mike Pritchard has the, the Cowboys in the NFC title game this year. I don't hate it. I don't love it. I mean, again, so we talk about, like, you know, pendulum swinging in terms of how we view people. Let, let's pump the brakes on the discourse around Dak Prescott. The guy has been nails throughout this entire career. He's coming off a career-worst team season in terms of turnover where he plays and PFF passing grade. But, like, we have a much larger sample size that says Dak Prescott is a very good quarterback in this league. I am not a hater on Dak Prescott. I'm a hater on the fact that every time you think that the Dallas Cowboys are going to have a good year, they let you down. They were 4-5 last like, year. 
But where did they go in the playoffs? But they were 12. But I, where okay. did they go in the playoffs? Okay. Well, then, yes. Every that's single every year. Other, that's every other team that we're talking about, though. Yeah, but not every pick, other team. Pick a team, do team we that have had those... a winning record last not, year. What saying, do the Buffalo Bills do in the playoffs? every one of those teams has those expectations. And I feel like the Cowboys right. do year in and year but out. We're not and talking they about, never reach it. We're not talking about playoffs. We're talking about, we're talking about being the last remaining undefeated team. Sure, that's... Mm. What do you mean, sure, that's fine. This whole objective is sure, doing that's right fine. now. It's the objective they have of the too many question marks. Okay, but you've again, we don't know what the Jets are gonna look like out the gate. I think that one's uh, I think that one's a little bit dicey. I think the Patriots are a little bit dicey. Thank I think you. in Respect. San Francisco against the Chargers in LA. I mean, LA doesn't really matter where you right. are. But like there are there are more roadblocks, I feel like, for Dallas than easy, smooth sailing. What about winless teams in the last couple of minutes? It's hard. I mean, look at this. Catching six against the Commanders, catching four against the Giants, seven against Dallas, ten and a half on the road against San Francisco, seven and a half against Cincy, four and a half against the Rams, seven and a half against Seattle. These are all plus, you know, catching these numbers. Six and a half against Baltimore, Cleveland. You're catching eight. The lo- the smallest point spread that the Arizona Cardinals will face at- throughout the beginning portion of their season, as we project it now, they will be a two point underdog at home against the Atlanta Falcons. Four in- to one favorite for a reason. Here. In week ten, that's and by the way. If we're not, I'm not very big on like projecting out and betting point spreads 10 weeks out. If there was one of these point spreads that's available that I would actually not say no to, it's taken a plus price on the the Cardinals at home against the Falcons. I don't think the Falcons are going to be particularly good. <laughs> and I always think we go a little too far in thinking how bad some of these teams are going to be. The Cardinals are going to be bad. But to be underdogs at home against the Atlanta Falcons, I think is a little strong. Just a little bit. The... Titans, who I know you love so much, they're underdogs. Their first five weeks of the season before the bye. Gonna lose them all. They're only favored through the first 10 weeks of the season against Atlanta with a one-point spread. I mean, it could be a candidate. Again, we're talking about Tannehill's regression being real, and you're talking about New Orleans, the Chargers, the Browns, the Bengals, obviously, the Indianapolis Colts and future rookie of the year, Anthony Richardson. And then going into their bye, I mean, I wouldn't be, or excuse me, Baltimore in uh, in Great Britain, England. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then before going into their bye, I wouldn't say no to the Titans being winless by the time they get to their bye week. Just saying. I know this is sacrilegious, but the New England Patriots have a gauntlet no, they don't. to start the year. Eagles, Dolphins, win. Jets. Win. You think the Dallas? I wouldn't Cowboys say. I'm telling you this right now. You heard this here first. Saints, you're high. Do on. not sleep on the New England Patriots in Week One against the Philadelphia Eagles. Ooh. See, it's not Hot Take Tuesday. You're hitting me with that type of stuff on, on a Wednesday. Wednesday. Dang, I love to see it. We're going to step aside, wrapping things up on the Lombardi line next. This is it. We've got an Amex Platinum Pro on our hands, ladies and gentlemen. We haven't seen anyone relax like this before in the Centurion Lounge. Is he connecting to complimentary Wi-Fi? Oh, my. Look at that. He is. And you will not believe where he's going next. The Amex dedicated card member entrance for the win. Unbelievable. When you get travel perks with Amex Platinum, you're part of the action. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Terms apply. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash with Amex. More Than a Movie is back with season two of the award-winning film podcast. And this time with a lot more movies. I'm your host, Alex Fumero. And each week, I'm going to talk to the people behind some of my favorite movies. From The Godfather, Andy Garcia. He has the smarts of Vito, the temper of Sonny, the warmth of Fredo, and the coldness of Michael. To the OG spy kid, Alexa Penavega. You had Carlo Gugino, who's the coolest mom ever. You had Antonio, who's handsome, amazing, charismatic. And then Carvin and Juni. I felt like a lot of other kids felt like this could be me. To the legend behind La Bamba, Lou Diamond Phillips. When I walked in, I didn't think I had a shot at Richie because John Stamos's picture was already up on the wall. Every episode will feature interviews with the biggest actors, directors, writers, and producers behind your favorite films and tap into the history of Latinos in film. Listen to More Than a Movie as part of the My Cultura Podcast Network, available on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. The Big Take from Bloomberg News brings you what's shaping the world's economies with the smartest and best-informed business reporters around the world. Western nations like the U.S. and Europe. Mexico will likely have its first female president. And then you have China. And help you understand what's happening, what it means, and why it matters. He'll get his yo-yos to Europe in time. But the longer this drags on, the more worry he's getting. They knew that they needed to do this as fast as they possibly could to get a drug on the market. 
as fast as they could. I'm David Gura. I'm Sarah Holder. I'm Saleh Mosin. We cover the stories behind what's moving money and markets. Basically, everyone was expecting, if not a calamity, certainly a recession. But the problem is that that paperwork, as our reporting showed, is fake. As someone who's covering the market, I'm often very worried about an imminent collapse. So I'm thinking about it quite often. Listen to The Big Take on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. This is the Lombardi Line with former NFL executive Michael Lombardi. Now here is your host, Stormy Bonatoni, on VSEN, the sports betting network. BetMGM, the king of sportsbooks, unleashes the spirit of Las Vegas with BetMGM Rewards. Every time you make a wager at BetMGM, you can earn BetMGM Rewards points that you can redeem for online bonus credits like bonus bets and bet insurance tokens. Plus, if you're planning a trip to Vegas, you can also convert those BetMGM points into MGM Rewards points that you can use towards dining shows and hotel rooms at over 20 MGM Resorts properties located on the Las Vegas Strip and nationwide. Sign up with BetMGM or log on today to get an even bigger piece of the action with BetMGM Rewards. Eligibility restrictions apply. BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly and offer resources to help you make appropriate choices. Visit BetMGM.com for terms and conditions. Must be 21 years of age or older to wager new and existing customer offer. All promotions subject to qualification. Eligibility requirements. Rewards issued as non-withdrawable bonus bets. Bonus bets expire seven days from issuance. Please gamble responsibly. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. I think that is the fastest I have ever done it. Yes, I have news for you. Do you want this? I love news. It's not really news, but it's one of those reports that I like that really kind of say nothing, but it says something. My favorite. Yes. You ready for this? From Jovan Buha, who covers the Los Angeles Lakers. I thought I had a cool name. I'd say there's about a 10% chance that LeBron James isn't back as a Laker next season, either due to retirement or playing for another team. Hmm. 10% chance. That's creating headlines. 10% chance. Interesting. Where does he come up with that number? That's, no, <laughs> that's what I always ask. It's like the when players are like, so, yeah, you know, I'm like, I'm like 85%. You're really into like a lot of the inner workings and contract information that I have no knowledge of, especially mm-hmm. with the NBA. And so I suggested on one of our little like hot take Tuesday things after LeBron had made the comments that he did after getting swept in the conference finals that, I mean, not the conference finals, you know what I'm saying. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. He had made the comment that, you know, I've got to rethink things a little bit here. Mm-hmm. Got to see what that means for me in my basketball future, whatever mm-hmm. it was. Good LeBron impression. Thank you. I, was, I thought so. And then he set down the microphone and walked on out of the mm-hmm. press conference, and that was the last thing that we heard from him. What if, is it possible mm-hmm. for him to take a year off? Mm-hmm. So whether, I don't know what that means, what you have to go through like for retirement or something if mm-hmm. it, you just wanted it to be a year. But take a year off, recoup his body, start to feel that love of the game again, get healthy at his age, and then come back and play with Bronny? Uh, I mean, he could, he, but the Lakers would still have the rights to his contract. He has a player option for 2024-2025 and a full, you know, a fully guaranteed you know, under contract 2023-2024. So essentially, what would happen is he would have to come back and play for the Lakers. They would have his rights, or they would have to trade it away. It's like the Andrew Luck thing. You know how like every time Andrew Luck comes up, the Colts still have yeah. the rights to him, so like any team would still have to deal with the Colts, but that's not going to happen. But that's like the same situation. So, okay. theoretically, it could happen. Oh, like Tom Brady playing for the Raiders? Uh, I know he's not under contract anymore, but with him being an owner? That's, yeah. <laughs> Shout out Troy Aikman on things that are never going to happen. Why do those things come up so much, though? Like, just ridiculous just things? things that are impossible. And so, I know, like, like mine here for the Lakers, like I said, I have no knowledge but your, of contract. But your situation's more tangible. And I set it up that way. Right, but your situation's more tangible in that he can retire, then come back. The Lakers would still have his rights. So, he would still have to play for the Lakers, but he could t- theoretically take a year off and he even had quotes back in January. You know, a lot of people keep saying he has to play with his son. Somebody said. In January, he said he would like to play with his son or against him, but he just wants to be on the same basketball court with him. So, theoretically, do you take a year, lo- a year off, come back as a Laker, uh, you know, play one last year, get to play Bronny, I don't know, like four times, depending on if he's in the division, in the conference, whatever, uh, and then sail off into the sunset? Sure. You know, I still think LeBron's a good enough competitor. We're just going to see him for at least two more years. The big question is, at, and look, it's $50.6 million, but it's LeBron James. He'll be able to find that in the open market should he decide to. Um, the, the question is, does he say yes or no to his player option for the last year of this deal and come back with the Lakers or say no to it and then go to wherever Bronny is and, uh, you know, play one last year with his son? See, but possible. Anything is possible. There we go. Yeah. Let's, but again, in that scenario, he's coming back next year True. and then declining and then going. But close enough mm. for my liking, I suppose. Sure. Or getting traded. I mean, that's the other thing, too. 
Is Bronny, uh, like, I know he made a lot of headlines going to USC and the uh, NIL money and all that. Is he, is he any good? He's good. I'll say that I think, given what I've read and evaluated personally, it helps being LeBron James' son. Got it. You know? Okay. We'll just put it that way. But who knows? Like, he could figure out his game, get you know, coached up really well at USC, and then, you know, be a first-round pick by the time he comes around to the NBA. I'll say this. There are some who think, you know, getting the first overall pick next year means getting LeBron James. I mean, technically, you can take Bronny James with the first overall pick. He's not worth the first overall pick. Okay. Final five minutes of the show here. We're going to play a little like, love, hate. It's kind of like, you know, kiss, marry, kill that you play when you're a kid with different celebrities or whatever. Game. Like, a different one. like, love, hate. Get your mind out of the gutter. Uh, when it comes oh, like to never play that game, NBA no. finals props, prop bets, and we could also call this segment Stormy Asks JVT. So that's just. I thought we called it the Lombardi what, line. What you're used to. Oh, I'd love to see it. Okay. First one. Will there be a buzzer beater in the NBA Finals? The odds are 30 to 1. That's like, love, or hate? I'll take the no minus, I don't know what that would be. What, 30, 20, uh, 20,000? I don't know. Uh, I'll say no. I, I hate it. If you hate it. Hate but, it. So here's the thing. So if we're going with the two games in Denver being around, do we do, do, we do the logical thing, right? The two and a half games or the two games in Denver, seven and a half or eight and a half to nine and a half point spreads. Unlikely that you're going to get a better buzzer beater scenario there. Uh, could that theoretically happen in Miami where the Nuggets are going to be about two and a half, three point favorites? Sure. Uh, but that only gives you two games for it to happen logically. So I will say no. It's interesting because we talk about buzzer beaters as almost as if they're common because they're on all the highlight reels mm-hmm. from history dating back year, year in and year out. But I mean, they're really hard to actually have happen. We saw that in the NCAA tournament. Like this year, we had our first one in two years. Like it was, mm-hmm. so it's it's not something that happens all the time. And That's why the odds are as significantly large as And never are. confuse a last-minute shot with a buzzer beater. A buzzer beater means it has to go in through the net, final to, play of the game, boom. That's it. To win. Yes, to win. Yes, yes to win. That's the big thing. Um, all right, my turn. No, 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 My turn, my turn, my turn. Uh most goals in the Stanley Cup final series. Jack Eichel, plus 550. I don't know what the, what are we doing again? Like, love, hate. Like, love, hate. I like that. Okay, all right. I don't love it. Well, that's the, yeah, there's three options. You chose like, so I'd assume you don't. Yeah, like it. I like it. That's It's fine. He didn't score a single goal in the series against the Dallas Stars, so maybe that means he's due and he can start producing a little bit. I think it's, I think it's fine. You're going to need your stars to be your stars. Matthew Kachuk is going to be that guy for me though. Or Jonathan Marshall. So I think could also. Mm, Marshall show. Six to one. Yeah. What are the odds there? Yeah. I like, I like that more. Kachuk is the favorite again. So this is like in the series between both teams. Kachuk is the favorite at plus 450. Eichel plus 550. And Jonathan Marshall show at six to one. Yeah. I would like, I, I think that Marshy would be my favorite golden knight for that specifically. Will there be an overtime game in the NBA finals? Like love or hate the three to one on the yes. Uh, hate. I'll take the no. Still hate, similar to your buzzer beater thought yeah. process on that one. Well, like you said too, like overtime is not doesn't happen as often as you think it does. So I would say I hate it, hate it. Distance of the longest made shot. That's not a hockey question. Because we're not alternating here. We're this is my segment. You can't just take the reins of it. Distance of the longest made shot in the NBA Finals: forty-seven and a half feet. Oh. Fifty to one. Is somebody going to throw it up from beyond half court and drain it? I mean, I suppose that Nikola Jokic would help you out there, um, dude. The way he's just right. like chucked the ball up there over Anthony Davis. And I will say that in regular season games, players will actually refuse it. If you watch a regular season game, you'll see what players do all the time which is they'll actually wait a half second for the buzzer to sound before they put it up because they don't want it to affect their regular season numbers. They don't want to put a heave up and have it hurt their field goal percentage. Uh, I mean, it's tied to money, and I like money, so I think I kind of get it. Um, As a a person watching the game, I want those moments. But in the postseason, you'll see see players actually try it. So maybe there's a higher probability of that happening. Um, So you know what? Sure, like it. Why not? How about that? Beautiful. Most points in this playoff series. Carter Verhage, 13 to 1. Hate it. Okay. Yeah, no. Not for me. Not a bit. I mean, he he's a good player, don't get me wrong. I was but say, this I'm is not, good analysis so no, far. Sorry. <laughs> he's he's a good player and he's had a good postseason, but not that's I would need longer odds and to have more belief in Carter Verhage in the finals. Okay. A name that stuck out to me that was too short too was William Carlson at 15 to 1. Yeah. Like I feel like that should be 30 to 1. 
I think Carlson gets like skewed, like he, the way that we talk about William Carlson is skewed still from how successful he was as a point scorer year one. Mm-hmm. And he's just not that same guy. Right. So when I see 15 to one, I'm like, yeah, this yeah. feels a little short. Um, any player to break Elgin Baylor's single game final record of 61 points, 60 to one on in the a single game, right? Single, single game. game, 61 points. Will Jokic throw up 61 or Butler throw up 61 or Jamal Murray well, throw up 61? How about, you know what? I like it. How about that? Like it. I mean, 60 to one, 60 to one. Uh, we talked about the, the stat right in losses, the 40 points per game for Jokic, maybe letting him get his, you know, I don't think it's unrealistic that he's going to have the opportunity to do it. Sure, 60-1. to All right, you got one more for me, last 30 seconds? All right, head-to-head points. Matthew Kachuk, minus 150 over Jack Eichel. Minus 130? Minus 150. Minus 150. I think that that will cash, but I do not want to bet it. Okay. So So would that be like or hate? You like it. Definitely not a love. I I hate how juiced some props are. Like, it's not a non-starter here. I just want 50. It's not the worst of you. Not my favorite. That's why. Uh, in between like and hate on the crux. That's a wrap for today's edition of the Lombardi Line. We do have a special hockey edition, the VEASAN Hockey Betting Podcast live coming up next instead of best bets. Don't miss it. I'm Hannah Storm, and my new podcast, NBA DNA with Hannah Storm, chronicles my six decades in professional basketball, from growing up in the sport to becoming one of sports TV's first female broadcasters. Join me as I dig deep into the game's history, unearth some wild stories, and talk to my friends from the world of basketball, from Dr. J to Charles Barkley. It's been a wild ride, and now I get to take you with me. Listen to NBA DNA with Hannah Storm on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. More Than a Movie is back with Season 2. I'm your host, Alex Fumero. And each week, I'm going to talk to the people behind your favorite movies. From The Godfather, Andy Garcia. He has the smarts of Vito, the temper of Sonny, the warmth of Fredo, and the coldness of Michael. To the legend behind La Bamba, Lou Diamond Phillips. When I walked in, I didn't think I had a shot at Richie because John Stamos' picture was already up on the wall. Listen to more than a movie on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. I'm Saleya Mosin, and I've covered economic policy for years and reported on how it impacts people across the United States. In 2016, I saw how voters were leaning towards Trump and how so many Americans felt misunderstood by Washington. So I started The Big Take D.C., We dig into how money, politics, and power shape government and the consequences for voters. With new episodes every Thursday, you can listen to The Big Take DC on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts.